Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to our service uh, here today, particularly if you're visiting. Uh, as you know, I, I'm a visitor uh, myself, so it seems odd welcoming you all, but it's nice to be with you, not uh, absolute stranger uh, to the congregation. We used to bring our youth fellowship here uh, many years ago. We used to st- uh, stay in the building uh, over a weekend. That was with the Cross Free Church Youth Fellowship. We've also been here with our youth fellowship from Tain uh, over a weekend. I think that was uh, pre-COVID. So it's lovely uh, to be with you again. But we're here to worship God. We're going to sing to his praise from Psalm 145, the second version of that psalm from the Scottish Psalter. And we're going to sing verses uh, 1 to 8. The words will be in your screen. If you're using a, a, a psalm book though, you'll find it on page 444. We're going to sing verses 1 eight, to 8 of this psalm. O Lord, thou art my God and King. Thee will I magnify and praise. I will thee bless and gladly sing unto thy holy name always. Verses 1 to 8 of this psalm to God's praise.
going to bow our heads. We're going to pray to the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, you are a compassionate God, and we want to thank you this morning for that. You are a God who wants what's best for us. And we know, Lord, that the enemy of our souls will try and sow in our minds thoughts that would question that, that would doubt that. Tries to suggest to us, Lord, that you want to curtail us, you want to restrict our lives, that you want to be a spoiled sport. And Lord, nothing could be further from the truth. Because Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. And we pray, Lord, that we would that we would believe that today, that we would take that to heart, that we would understand, Lord, that you indeed want what is best for us, that your desire is to bless us. We pray, Lord, that we would praise you for that. The psalmist said, each day I rise, I will be blessed. And we ask, Lord, that you would give us that same outlook, that same desire to praise your name, to bless your name. And we have so much to thank you for. You have been good to us, O Lord. Your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And Lord, we realize that while you are faithful to us, and always have been, we can often be unfaithful to you. Forgive us for this, Lord. But help us to marvel and to praise you for your faithfulness towards us, despite the way we are. If you were, the psalmist says, if you were to mark iniquity, who could stand? None of us, Lord, would be able to stand in your presence. If you if you treated us the way we deserve, if you repaid our sin with the judgment it deserves. But we thank you as well that the psalmist goes on to say that with you there is forgiveness. There is plenteous redemption. So help us, Lord, to look to you today. Bless us, young and old, here this morning. We thank you for the children among us, Lord. We love to hear them and to see them in church. And we crave and we pray your blessing on their young lives. Lord, they're growing up in an age when there are so many voices clamoring for their attention, so many temptations that would lure them this way and that way. Lord, we pray that you would guard them and you would keep them and you would guide them, that they would come to love you and to follow you and to serve you. Bless their young lives, we pray. And be with each one of us today as you see our need. Lord, draw near to us. Speak to us through the Bible, we pray. May we recognize that the Lord is in this place. And all these things we ask, we ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Well, I want to speak to the young ones uh, for a wee moment. So I want to talk to you today about this wristband uh, I've got on. There are, there are folk, like cool young people who wear wristbands. I'm not one of them. But this one I got on my holiday and I've kept it because it was really, really special. Okay, And it was special because as long as I wore this wristband, I could get free food and free drinks and free snacks, crisps and juice and ice cream, free ice cream, every single day. As long as I was wearing this, everything was free. And so I ate ice cream every day for 10 days, twice a day. Now, with hindsight, that was a wee bit of a mistake because the the suit's a wee bit tight to close. But at the time, it was fantastic. All of this stuff was free. Would you like that? Put up your hand if you would like that. To have free food, free drinks, free snacks, 
every day for 10 days. It was amazing. But here's the thing. There's not many things in life that's free. And, and, and this was only free because somebody had paid for it before we went on holiday. So when the holiday was paid for, all that food and all these snacks and all that ice cream was included in the price. And you know, the Bible tells us that although we get free to heaven, we can get saved for free. You don't pay anything to become a Christian. It doesn't cost you anything to get to heaven. You just trust Jesus. But it's only free because he paid for it. That's what Jesus was doing at the cross. Sometimes we wonder, what was that all about? Why was Jesus put to death at Calvary on a cross? Why did he die? He was paying for our forgiveness. He was paying for all the wrong things, the sin that we do, the bad stuff that we think and that we say and that we do. Jesus was paying for it on the cross at Calvary so that we can be saved for free, so that we can go to heaven for free. So anytime you, you're on holiday and you go one of these bands, or you can get them for other things if you go to, I don't know, the circus or the fair or any other thing like that, you might get a band, a wristband, and once you're in, you can go on all the rides for free or you get everything else for free. Remember this. It's free to get to heaven. It's free to become a Christian, but only because Jesus paid for it for us. Thank you for listening so well. You were really, really good. And I think you go through to Sunday school and crash now or very soon. So I pray that the Lord will be with you and that he'll bless you all. Thank you for listening. We're going to sing uh, now in Psalm 25. Let's sing Psalm's version of Psalm 25. And we're going to sing verses 7 to 13. Verse 7, do not recall my sins of youth or my rebellious evil ways. Remember me in your great love, for you, O Lord, are good always. Psalm 25, sing Psalm's version, we're going to sing from verses 7 to 13 to God's praise.
We're going to read God's Word now from Mark's Gospel. It's a section of the end of chapter 7 and then another section later in chapter 8. The first one is the healing of a deaf man who was brought to Jesus. And the second is the healing of a blind man who was brought to Jesus. So Mark chapter 7. Taking up a reading at verse 31. Let's hear God's word. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, He put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all these things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. And then from Mark chapter 8, taking up the reading at verse 22, and just reading that section from verse 22 down to 26, the healing of the blind man at Bethsaida. And they came to Bethsaida, And some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. And so on. Amen. This is the word of God, and we trust and we pray that he will follow it with his blessing. I'm just going to bow our heads again in a word of prayer. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for these two encounters these people had with Jesus. We thank you for those who brought them to Jesus. We thank you for the response of Jesus to them. That he opened the ears of one and he opened the eyes of another. Lord, that is your work. And we thank you today for everybody here today who knows that they're ears were opened to hear the truth of Jesus Christ in the gospel, to hear the truth about themselves and their need. Those whose eyes were opened to see that Jesus is your provision for our greatest need. And we pray today, Lord, that you would continue to do that work. It is your work. No human being, no mere man can save anyone else. But it is you that does it. And Lord, we thank you that when we meet together as we do here this morning in worship, that we know that you are among us. Because that is the promise that you've given. 
And we pray that today, Lord, you would be doing your saving and transforming work in people's lives. Opening ears and eyes and giving new hearts. Giving hearts that would be responsive to you. And Lord, we pray that our hearts would be responsive to you today. Maybe we've been Christians for a long, long time. But we can have so easily grow cold or indifferent. We can become lukewarm. Lord, we pray that today you would stir us up. We pray that today you would give us a joy in the Lord. You would fill our hearts, Lord, with praise to you for who you are and and all you do and all you have done uh, for us. We pray, Lord, for your word as it goes out here, as it goes out elsewhere to the ends of the earth. Lord, we pray for your church worldwide. We thank you that you've given us a day to worship and that on this day millions all over the world will meet as we do. Some in much larger groups, some in much smaller groups, but all coming together to worship you. And we pray, Lord, that your word would bear fruit for your glory. We thank you that you have given us this promise that it will not return to you empty, but will accomplish, Lord, what you would have it to accomplish. And we pray, Lord, today that your desire would be to bless us, and your desire would be to draw us to yourself. We pray for your people, Lord, who who cannot meet as we do for fear of their lives, those who are persecuted uh, for their faith in Jesus. Lord, we pray for them today. Some may be imprisoned. Some may be in hiding. Some may be suffering, Lord, for their faith. We ask that you would give them grace for their situation, Lord, and that you would hear their prayers, and their prayers on behalf of those who persecute them as well. And we pray for your church, Lord, in our own land. And we pray for our land, Lord. And we pray for uh, those in authority over us, Lord, that you would give them the wisdom that they can gain alone from you. That you would help them to look to you, to realize, Lord, their, their need of you. And, Lord, that they would look to you for wisdom in their decision-making. Help us to uphold them in prayer. That is our duty. We find it much easier to to look for flaws and pick faults in them than we do to consistently pray, Lord, that you would be helping them. Bless, Lord, our world that we live in and its troubled spots. We commit to you afresh the war in Israel today, Lord. And all those struggling and all those suffering and those who've lost loved ones, Lord, we pray that you would be near Uh, to them and Lord we find it difficult sometimes to know what to pray for but we know and we trust and we believe Lord that you are in control of all things so we commit that situation and its outcome anew to you bless us here today Lord be with everybody gathered everyone connected with the congregation be with those Lord who have particular needs who are struggling for one reason or another we pray Lord for any who may be nursing a broken heart today that you would be gracious to them that you would comfort them and help them and uphold them we pray Lord for those struggling with ill health be that physical ill health or mental health we pray for those who are anxious who are cast down who are depressed we pray Lord that you would minister to each one as you see uh, our need 
We pray too for Fahi and the family, Lord. Grateful that uh, they're able to be back in church. We thank you, Lord, for the support they've had from the congregation. We thank you for the prayers of the wider church. And we ask, Lord, that you would continue to minister to them and uphold them and help them each and every day. And Lord, we pray that the seed that's been sown here over many decades would continue to bear fruit for your glory. Be with us in today. Be in all that we seek to do. Lead us, Lord, into your truth. Help us understand it. Bring this book alive to us, we pray. And cleanse us from all our sin. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's sing once more before we turn back to that passage uh, in the Bible. This time we're going to sing from Psalm 34. Again, the Sing Psalms version, Psalm 34. If you're using the psalm book, you'll find it on page 40. And we're going to sing from verse 8 down to verse 14 of this psalm. Psalm 34 at verse 8. Come, taste and see. The Lord is good, who trusts in him is blessed. Oh, fear the Lord, you saints with need. You will not be oppressed. Verses 8 to 14 of Psalm 34. To God's praise.
I'm seeking the Lord's help, can we turn back in our Bibles to the passage that we read together? We're looking particularly at uh, the passage we read in Mark chapter 8, the healing of the blind man at uh, Bethsaida. And I want to read again verses 23 and 24. Mark chapter 8, verse 23. And it says, And he, that's Jesus, took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Do you see anything? I was recently uh, at the optician for my uh, two-yearly appointment, and if you've been for one of these eye tests, you'll know that... uh, they make you wear these kind of strange frames and then they put one lens in and then another lens in and they ask you every time is that better or is that worse and, and sometimes it is, it's clearer, the lens makes it clearer other times it makes it worse, the, the picture gets, gets all blurry well in today's passage we have a blind man who's beginning to see but yet the picture is still very blurry it's still very fuzzy for him And it can be like that when you first encounter Jesus. There are things that become clear, as if they just fall into place, as if the penny drops. But there are other things that might still confuse you. What I want us to see from here today is that Jesus will always finish what he starts. He'll always finish what he starts. This miracle, though, it is unusual in that the blind man isn't fully healed by that first touch from Jesus. And this is the only two-stage healing that we find in the Bible. That makes it unusual. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit today. What is, what is going on there? In addition to that, it seems a rather offensive treatment that Jesus uses in healing this man. To spit on someone, to spit in his eyes, seemed really degrading, you could say. That's not how Jesus usually operates. So that aspect of it is unusual as well. So I I hope to unpack that a little bit with you this morning as well. So we're going to look at this encounter between Jesus and the blind man, bearing in mind Bearing in mind that very often the physical healings that Jesus did in the New Testament, they are a picture for us of how he heals people spiritually as well. So I would like this morning with you, or this afternoon, to to look at three things about the blind man. We're going to see, first of all, that he was brought. Secondly, that he was taken. And thirdly, that he was sent. So these will be our three headings this morning. With regard to the blind man, he was brought, he was taken, and he was sent. So first of all, he was brought. And we have in that an example of the most wonderful thing that you could ever do for anyone. To bring them to Jesus. Verse 22 says, Some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. 
Exact same thing happened with the deaf mute in the previous passage, although I'm not going to study that passage. I read it because there's, there's huge overlap. There's a lot of similarities in it. You, you read about the deaf man, verse 32, and they brought to him a man who was deaf. He too was brought to Jesus. And then rewind in Mark's gospel, go back to chapter 2, and you know the story of the, the, the paralyzed man. His friends brought him to Jesus on his mat. It's the most wonderful thing that anyone could do for anyone. And it's our duty as Christians to do that. To bring people to Jesus. You might be the only contact somebody has with Jesus Christ. And what if you never invite them? What if you never ask them? This man... This man might never have come to Jesus had his friends not brought him. He was blind. He would never make his way there by himself. He couldn't see the way. You know, many of our friends and neighbors and colleagues and even family, they are blind. They're blind to their spiritual need. They've never understood their sin. They've never grasped their need of a saviour. Maybe nobody's ever told them. Why would they come to Jesus if they're oblivious to their need? Maybe you're saying, how do you bring people to Jesus when he's not physically present with us as he was physically present here? When you can bring them to Jesus in your speech, You can talk to them about Jesus. You can tell what he has done for you and how he can do the same for them. Or you can introduce them to the Bible. Ask them, is it okay if I show you something from the Bible that was significant for me? Or ask them if if they'd like to hear more about Jesus and bring them along to church. Now, I don't know about this man. Maybe they'd asked him before. Maybe he said no before. Maybe he was hesitant. Maybe he was disinterested. Maybe he'd refused to come before. You know, we should never be put off by, 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 by the reaction we feel we're getting when we speak to someone about the Lord. Because you've no idea what God might do with that afterwards. Or you've no idea what's really going on in someone's heart. I sat with someone four weeks ago who got saved on his deathbed, really very near the end of his life. He was on his deathbed. And I, I, had, I had been to see him several times over the previous eight weeks. Talked to him about the Lord every time. Nothing. Nothing. As far as I could see. You know, the last thing he said to, to me, the last thing he said to me, after he got saved, he said, I want you to know I've really enjoyed our chats. I thought you could have told me that at the time. See, don't be put off by what reaction you get. I felt I was getting nowhere. I felt I was speaking to a brick wall. But what the Lord does without poor pathetic words, that's what's important. This man then, we don't know if they'd asked him before. But maybe they'd never 
Maybe they'd not asked him before. Maybe they'd never grasped how difficult it would be for him to come by himself to Jesus. How hard for a blind man to step into the unknown. But this time they brought him. They took him. They took him to Jesus. They didn't just invite him. I remember many years ago, when I was in Edinburgh, actually studying at, at ETS, was then Free Church College, uh, I went to the supermarket, a supermarket I wasn't familiar with. I had a, a list of items I had to get. I got everything on my list but one thing, marmalade. And it wasn't a big priority, to be honest. I hate the stuff. Not a fan of marmalade, Jaffa cakes, anything orangey. But I thought, well, somebody else liked it, so I'd be in trouble if I didn't get it. So I swallowed my pride and I asked for help. I asked this assistant, can you tell me where I'll find the marmalade? Aisle 17, sir, she said, with a beaming smile. Would you like me to show you? And I thought, wow. Why does someone get so excited about showing someone where the marmalade is? Why aren't we even more excited about pointing people to Jesus? Why aren't we more excited when we know what he's done for our souls and he can do for them as well? Now I know we can't convert anyone. That's the Lord's work. But we can bring them to the place where Jesus is. And this is that place. He's here. He's here every time his people meet. We can bring them here. Or at least try to. That day in the supermarket, I should have let her take me to aisle 17 where the marmalade was. I said, no, no, it's fine. I'll find it myself. But on the way, I got distracted by some half-price cakes. And I never got the marmalade. That's not a big deal. But it is a big deal if somebody never gets Jesus because we never showed them we never asked them we never brought them this man was brought to Jesus and sometimes we need to just go a step further than just giving someone the service times we need to say how about I pick you up on Sunday and you come with me or how about you come for lunch on Sunday and we'll go to church before or after? Or how about you come for morning coffee and we could go to church after if you'd like that? Sometimes we need to do more than just tell them church is there. You're welcome, you know. This man was brought to Jesus. But it didn't just stop there. Look at verse 22. They begged Jesus to touch him. They begged Jesus. They knew that a touch from Jesus on this man's life would transform his life. We find exactly the same with the deaf mute back in in chapter 7. Verse 32 of chapter 7. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hands on him. They begged him. And, and, And maybe there's a lesson there for us as well. And when we invite people to church, or when we bring them to church, or when we talk to them about Jesus, you need to be sure you also talk to Jesus about them. Talk to Jesus about them. Pray that he'll bless them. Beg him to touch their lives and transform them. 
And here's the encouragement. In all these Bible accounts where people brought someone to Jesus, in every single one, Jesus granted their request. Jesus healed, saved, transformed their lives. So that's the first thing today. We see about this blind man, he was, he was brought. But then secondly, I want to look at the fact that he was taken. Verse 23. He was taken. We read that he took the blind man by the hand and he led him out of the village. He took him by the hand. Go remember this man was blind. There was no point in Jesus saying, right, I'm, I'm, I'm going out of the town and you, you, you follow me or, or you go on ahead and I'll catch up. He was, he was blind. He was going nowhere unless Jesus took him there. And it's the same for every sinner. We cannot save ourselves. You can, you can reform your life. You can better your behavior. But we can never make ourselves good enough for God. Never. We need Jesus to do that for us. And, and Jesus deals with this man in such a reassuring way. Think about it. When he took him by the hand, the man is blind. This would be such a reassuring gesture. It would make a world of a difference to this man. Jesus dealt with him exactly according to his need. And he'll do the same for you. Because maybe today you, you've been thinking about Jesus. You've been thinking about becoming a Christian. But you've got a whole lot of baggage. You're complicated. No one's too complicated for Jesus. He will deal with you exactly according to your need. He knew this man's need. He took him by the hand. But then, the next thing Jesus did must have been a bit unnerving for the blind man because we read that he led him out of the village. Now for a blind man, that's a big deal. Because the person who doesn't have their sight, they rely more on their other senses. His sense of smell and his hearing. This man would be relying on what was familiar to him. And so by taking him out of the village, Jesus was taking him out of his comfort zone. And he does that as well. Maybe you're out of your comfort zone today. And maybe Jesus has a reason for doing that. Why might he have taken him out of his comfort zone? Well, there are a few potential reasons why he would do so. There's this fact that this had to be between him and Jesus only. It was his friends that brought him. But now, this is between him and Jesus. And that's how we must all encounter Jesus. It's a, salvation is a very personal matter. You're entering a relationship with him. And it has to be between him and you. If you're married today, that's an important relationship. But 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 this isn't between your spouse and, and, and you and Jesus. It's between you and Jesus. Or between your spouse and Jesus. It's a very personal matter. So he took him maybe he took him outside the town for that reason, that it was between them alone. Or he may have taken him outside the town to remove the distractions. As I said, the, the person who is blind relies more on their sense of hearing. And Jesus wanted him to hear his voice only. To hear his voice only. And that's hugely important. Because when you start to seek the Lord, or when, when the Lord begins to work in your life, there will be a whole myriad of voices clamoring for your attention. 
Your friends, your family, your colleagues, your neighbours, they might all have some take on whether you're off your head or, or whatever they think of you considering Jesus. And they, and they may be saying to you, this is, this is not a good idea, this is a bad idea. You need to ignore them and listen to Jesus only. Listen to Jesus only. So that might be a reason he took him outside the city. He might have taken them out so they would be alone. He might have taken them out so that he would hear Jesus only. But he surely also took him out so that he would rely on him completely. A blind man, out of his comfort zone, away from all that was familiar, he would have to rely on his guide. He would have to rely on Jesus. He would have to cling to Jesus. And boy, would he be reassured by realizing that Jesus was also clinging unto him. And you know, sometimes our grip, our hold of him is pretty flimsy. But his hold of us, it's unbreakable. It's unbreakable. But I want to look at, that might be some of the reasons he took him outside his comfort zone, but I want to also look at this strange approach to healing this man. We're told that Jesus spat on his eyes and then laid his hands on him. I don't know about you, but maybe we're so familiar with this we don't think about it. But if you actually do think about what happened there, I would say it was unpleasant, to say the least. Maybe even insulting. Insulting. And if you actually study your Bible and those incidents where spitting is mentioned, it is viewed as an insult. In Numbers chapter 12, being spat on caused someone to be unclean. In Deuteronomy 25, spitting was a mark of disgust. And in Matthew 27, it's Jesus himself that's being spat on by his enemies. A sign of their extreme hatred and disrespect of him. So why on earth does Jesus spit on this blind man? Is he being disrespectful and insulting? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. But not to the man, but to his disease, to his disability, to his sickness. See, all sickness, all the sickness in the world is as a result of the fact that sin came into the world. Before Adam sinned, there was no sickness. So all sin is because, all sickness is because sin has, has wrecked and damaged the, what, what God had created so perfectly. And Jesus, he not only hates sin, he hates the consequences of sin as well. And that's what he's showing here. He spits not on the man, but on his blindness. And if you look at the other instances of healing where Jesus spits, it's always on the diseased, diseased part of the person. You'll see it in the previous chapter with the, with, with the, the deaf man with a speech impediment. I think there's another instance in John chapter 9 where this happens as well. It's always on the diseased part of the body, as if to show his contempt for sin and its effects. But then having spat on him, he touched the man and his sight returned. But it's not perfect. It's not perfect. Jesus asks him, do you see anything? 
and he says, verse 24, I see men, but they look like trees walking. Now clearly that shows us that this man wasn't blind from birth. He, he knew what men looked like. He knew what people looked like. He knew what trees looked like. But what he sees is just not right. The picture's distorted. And that's never comfortable. I, after being the optician, I got two new pairs of specs. One was perfect, the other was not. So when I wore my other set, and if I looked at my phone, everything seemed to be in italics. The writing, the phone, always looked sloping. And, and even worse than that was, it looked concave. I'd always think, have I bent my phone in my pocket? It, the, the picture was distorted. And that's not right. And this man says to Jesus, it's, it's, it's not right. My vision isn't clear. Now, Jesus could have said to him, ah, but it's an improvement. You're better than the way you came. But that's not Jesus. That's not what he does. He does, he's not looking for a minor improvement in your life. He's looking for a transformation. He's looking for a transformation. And so he touches him again. And his sight was restored. He saw everything clearly. What is this all about? What is this teaching us? Well, I believe it's teaching us and showing us this. That you can be brought to Jesus by well-meaning people and friends. And you can be touched by Jesus. Or you can sense a touch from Jesus on your life and still not be healed still not be saved. What do I mean by a touch from Jesus? Well, you might be here today, and there was a time in your life when you knew that the Lord was near. There was a time in your life when you sensed that he was speaking directly to you. There were days, maybe in this church or in some other church, when you felt like you were the only person there. And that everything that was said was said for you. You know he spoke to you. You sensed his touch. But you never committed your life to him. And as yet you are still unsaved. This man, he had to tell Jesus, I'm still not right. He had to say that, I'm still not right. Before he was finally healed. And maybe today you need to do the same. You might have been coming to church all your life. But you're still not right with Jesus. You tell him that. You confess your sin. And you ask him to forgive you. And I can guarantee you he'll do it. He was taken then, this man. So we saw this blind man that he was brought. That he was taken. Thirdly and finally, I want to look at the fact that he was sent. You'll see this in verse 26. Verse 26, we read this. Jesus sent him home, saying, Don't go into the village. Or, let me get the exact wording. Do not even enter the village. He was sent. You know, whenever Jesus heals someone, saves someone, he, he almost always gives an instruction. He almost always gives some commission. He sent this man home to his family. Why? Well, clearly it must be, it's, not, it's implied that he's going to tell. If you, if you remember Legion, the demon-possessed man whom Jesus healed, he said this to him and it's in Luke chapter 8, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So 
we sent this man home. Home to tell. And you know when you become a Christian, sometimes it's easy to talk about it, sometimes it's easy to tell, sometimes it's easy to share, but one of the hardest places can be with your own family, with your own people. But maybe today that's what the Lord is telling somebody here today to do. You need to have a conversation. You need to speak to somebody close to you. And maybe maybe hard. But maybe that's what the Lord has for you to do. But why did Jesus tell him to avoid the village? Do not even, verse 26, do not even enter the village. That's pretty strange, you might say. Well, it may well be, and I can't be certain about this, but it may well be that it's because the village, which is Bethsaida, we're told, because Bethsaida had had its chances. You see, this was a place, Bethsaida was a place where Jesus had done numerous miracles. People had heard him preach, they'd watched him heal, and yet they still rejected him. They still rejected him. And in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says, it's going to be worse for Bethsaida on the day of judgment than it will be for notoriously sinful places like Sodom and Gomorrah. Because Bethsaida had great privilege and yet failed to use it, failed to do anything with it. With privilege comes responsibility, friends. And you're a privileged people. We are a privileged people. We have the gospel. We have our Bibles. We hear from Jesus week after week, day after day. And this is Jesus effectively saying about Bethsaida and its people. Leave them alone. Leave them to their own devices. They've had their opportunity. How awful if he was to say that about somebody here today. Who's had such privilege for so long. And failed to do anything about it. If he was to say today, leave him. Or leave her. They've had their chances. Oh, be sure, friends. Be sure if you've sensed the touch of Jesus on your life. And you don't push him away. You don't push him away. Don't put it off to another time. You might never sense his touch. You might never hear his voice again. You, you could continue coming to church week after week and it goes over your head. If the Lord no longer wants you to hear. If you shop online, and most of us do, if you're anything like me, you, 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 you see something you want, you put it in your online basket, and then you think, well, maybe I could get it cheaper somewhere else, so I'll, I'll see how much it costs down the road, or I'll see if I can get it faster somewhere else. So you leave it there, and, and you're going to inevitably get an email that says you've left something in your basket. And I had one of these recently. Well, I get one of these regularly, but I had one recently that said, you've left something in your basket, and you're running out of time. You're running out of time. And I wonder if that could be what the Lord has to say to somebody here today. You're running out of time. 
You needn't be old for that to be the case. You can be young. You can still be young. If Jesus is calling you today, and don't leave here till you ask him into your heart. Don't leave your pew until you've made peace with him. You can be so near and yet so far. So near to the kingdom of heaven and yet outside the gate. Someday you plan to enter in. Someday may be too late. So near to the kingdom of heaven almost persuaded now to trust the blessed Saviour before his sceptre bow. So near to the kingdom of heaven your friends are entering in to find the great salvation that cleanses from all sin. So near to the kingdom of heaven and yet halting at the door. O shall your soul through doubting be lost forevermore. So near to the kingdom, why hesitate? So near to the kingdom, why longer wait? O enter before it is forever too late. So near to the kingdom, so near. To be near, friends, is not enough. Ask Jesus today to take you by the hand and to save you and forgive you and guide you and he never says no Amen let us pray Lord we thank you for your word we thank you that it encourages us that the Lord never turns any away oh help us Lord to realise today our need to realise that to be near is not enough to be privileged is a dangerous thing. Or may we make use of our privilege and resolve today to commit ourselves to Jesus if we've never done so before. Draw us to yourself irresistibly, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to finish singing from Psalm 146 in the Scottish Psalter. Psalm 146, and we're going to sing from verse 5 to verse 10. If you're using the books, it's on page 446, but the words will be in your screen. Psalm 146 at verse 5. O happy is that man, and blessed, whom Jacob's God doth aid, whose hope upon the Lord doth rest, and on his God is stayed. From verse 5 to verse 10, to the Lord's praise.
Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy